0: Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of Subspace Communique's Life After Trek. Uh, my name is Chris, or Captain Pike, from Subspace Communique. I'm here joined, as always, by... Charity, a.k.a. Crewman Becky. Yeah, so we actually have another fantastic episode that we recorded at uh, Bayou Con in Lake Charles, Louisiana. This time we sat down with Max Gridenchik from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. All of you guys know him as Rom, Quark's brother, uh, one of the Ferengi family. And it's kind of cool, because this completes the, the House of Nog. For us, because We've had Chase, played Lita, and we had Aaron Eisenberg, uh, who played uh, Nog, and now we have Grand Nagus Ram. So this is a super cool episode. Max is a, a fantastic guy and super fascinating. Uh, he talks about his time that he spent on DS9, of course, but he also did a few episodes of TNG uh, that we dive into. And we talk about his, his acting career before getting into Star Trek and his inspirations of, of acting and that kind of stuff. So it's a super interesting interview. Uh, which I hope you guys enjoy. So stay tuned to this episode. Uh, we actually had a blast recording this, and uh-huh. we know you guys will dig it. So be sure and stay tuned. It's coming up right now. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Again, like we did with uh, with Vaughn's interview, we're in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, at BayouCon, and we're actually sitting here with Max Grudinchik, uh who played Rom, uh, Grand Negus Rom, on Deep Space Nine. Uh, of course, he was in other series as well, uh, but we're pleased to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, well, thank you. Uh,
1: it's a pleasure. Thank yeah, you. We hung out last night a little bit. We did. And I'm a little tired. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You wore me out a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I started drinking that Mon's drink, uh, uh, which I never drink, and I... And then, to the, you know, make matters worse, I drank a little more, and then, then I drank a little... Yeah, hey, you liked the effect on your voice. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, sorry, I started to talk down like I can't get it back. I can't get it back. It, made, it turned me into Barry White for an hour or so. Yeah, we had a
0: blast. It right. totally. was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I think first what we want to do is we want to talk about how you got into acting. Did you start in, like, high school dramas, or, or how did you get involved
1: in acting? I'll tell you exactly how I got into Perfect. Because I know this one. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't feel like I give a good interview, but I, there's some things I know, and sure. uh, sometimes people ask questions, and I, I don't. I don't know how to begin to think about it to, answer, <laughs> to give a good answer. Uh, uh, when I was in high school, when I was in high school. We had somebody one of the music teachers organized a competition between the three high school I had three classes uh, uh, there was a senior class a junior class and a uh, sophomore class mm-hmm. there, there was no freshman class that it's just the way the structure was at the school um, and she said to the three classes come up come up with a little uh, forty five minute uh, uh, play musical and it the best musical will win the competition. And this was something that was going around the New York City school system at the time. It was called SING, S-I-N-G. The competition was called SING. And because I was, uh, uh, I guess I was, uh, I was in the band and playing stuff, I got involved in the musical aspect of that. And then I started writing uh, the songs, mm. some of the songs. And I would see people do them. And, and I would also write some of the scenes. And I would see people do them, and I'd go, you know, I, I think I can do what they're doing. <laughs> so So I would, I, we did that for two years in a row. And then as a senior, we, we did a senior show. And I think I was relied upon, because I had some experience to write some of the senior show. And I thought, no, I'm going to write something that only I can do. Which was, uh, there was a... Um, Arlo Guthrie did something called Alice's Restaurant, Mm. which is a 23-minute piece or something like that with him playing the guitar. I did a parody of that because our our chorus teacher, who was one of my teachers, was Alice Gross. So I called it Alice's Chorus. And it was about me being late for school and and, and getting in trouble with the uh, teaching assistants. And uh, I did that. It was about 20 minutes long, and I sat on stage, played the guitar, and did that. And uh, it went over really well. So... So the answer is how I became an actor is I wanted to do, I thought I could do the lines as well as the actors I saw doing the lines, uh, and, I, and, I, and I so I, I started to I started to write things for myself, and then I just shortly after that I went to college and there were auditions okay. and I started auditioning and I started getting cast. Oh, that's great. And that's the long story short, or maybe it's too long a story. <laughs> but I, I I heard something that uh, Dennis Miller, the comedian, said. He said. Uh, he went to a comedy club and started telling jokes and people laughed. He said if they didn't laugh, he'd be a, a, an accountant. So it was like that with me. I went, I went, I went to audition and people cast me. And uh, I got in with some... I, I just got in with the right crowd, mm. you know. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit of luck, I think. Right. Um, we had a group called the Swamp Fox Theater... In fact, it featured an actor, you you, you may want to look him up, named uh, Maury Chaykin. Okay. Who, uh, after Buffalo, I think he moved to Canada. He became a Toronto actor. And uh, he's done some things that you would recognize him. He passed away about a year ago, I think. But he was part of the Swamp Fox Theater. And uh, I read for them. They were doing a version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And um, I read for them... And I remember I went in with a guy, two of us read together. The other guy had a long, 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 long speech, and I said something like, yes. <laughs> and long, 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 long speech. Yeah. So, it, you know, life is luck a lot. Sure. And so I, I, I was a little dejected, and I, I went outside, and my friend who knew them, Sue Whaley, she knew the Swamp Fox Theater. She was, like, in with them. Uh-huh. She said, what's what's going on? She said, well, I just read, and the, and the other guy had this much, and I had, a, like, a lot. He played, like, he had the Chief Romden speeches or something, and I just... Chimed in, you know, a couple of words, and uh, she said, "I know these guys. Come with me." And she said, she told them what I said. She said, "He didn't feel he, he doesn't feel he had a fair audition." So they gave me some else to read. I read it, and then they, they gave me a small part, and I was I was part of them. And that was a big feather in my cap, and awesome. you know, it went on from there.
0: And when did you make the move out to Los Angeles?
1: Oh God, well, from 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 college, which was the University of Buffalo. I, I became uh, I, I became a... Uh, I was a music major. I started to be a music major, but you had to work too hard. So I, I went into the drama department. I went, in, uh, I went into the drama department, and I had done some plays. And someone said to me, you know, when you do a play, you get credit for it. They give you four credits for doing a play. I said, really? <laughs> so I was hooked, and I became a drama major. And uh, after that, I went to... I kind of hitchhiked around the country after that. I was free for like uh, six months or so, and I wound up in Berkeley, California. Oh, wow. Man. And there was a uh, acting teacher there named Jean Shelton. She's still teaching today. I understand she's not doing very well. She must be like 150 years old. Uh, <laughs> Jean, I love you. But, but she, she was in Berkeley, and I studied with her, and now she's in San Francisco but uh, I studied with her and I started to audition for things and mm-hmm. that's really where I started in San Francisco I worked at a place called the Magic Theater Okay. Uh, Danny Glover was there at the time he worked oh, at wow. the Magic Theater a guy named Peter Coyote was there sure. he worked at the Magic Theater trying to think. Sam Shepard the was the playwright in residence at the oh, Magic wow. Theater so it got uh, it got a lot of acclaim and uh, I did like five shows there wow. and uh, that was where I uh, really thought I, that was really really thought I, I belonged you know, yeah so so
0: when, you, moved, uh, when you, you made the move to Los Angeles, um, according to IMDB, Internet Movie Database, you did a, a show called Choo Choo and uh, the Philly Flash?
1: No. I had an agent in San Francisco named uh, Ann Brebner. Okay. And, the, and it's interesting how I, got, how I got them was I was doing a play by John O'Keefe in, in San Francisco at the Magic Theater, and um, one of the agents from the Brebner agency came to see me. So I went to see her, and they were a little, well, uh, why are you here? And I said, well, she saw me <laughs> in the show, and she said, she said come see me. And then she said, well, let, let, me see. let me see if I could set up an appointment mm. for you. At the same time, ABC Television used to do a tour around the country to look for new talent. Okay. And they were in San Francisco. And my, my teacher, Jean Shelton, had helped them out, apparently. So, so they asked her, as a favor to her, they said, do you want to send some people over? that we could audition and they auditioned me Mm. and they picked me
2: awesome that's great
1: it was like it was like 48 hours of uh, I was a movie star for 48 hours (laughs) it's like everybody in town who knew me was jealous of me and they screen tested me and uh Tim Flack who was the casting director who who was in charge there was like a group of three Tim Flack Joyce Selznick and I forget the other woman's name but uh they happened to be auditioning right next to the Brebner agency. It was very close. He said, we want to screen test you, but we can't legally do that unless you're represented by an agent. And we want to take you into the Bredner agency next door. Is that okay with you? <laughs> I said, well, I already spoke to them, and they don't... I was so young, God. I I said, I already spoke to them, and they, they, you know, I have an appointment with them next week. They said, we're going to walk you in there. I said, no, 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 I'm going to see them next week. They said, you don't understand, come with me. And he put his arm around me, and he walked me in there. He said, we want to screen test this guy. And, man, it was like a a 180 degree, come on in, here's Anne, here's the owner of the agency, you know. Here's here's the woman you were going to see, but she'll see you now. Man, so... that was was great that was you know it was power walking through that door because he was the casting director for ABC television sure sure. yeah so that was a big break for me so
0: has music always been a part of um, maybe not maybe not your acting or did you do a lot of musical plays or or, I know it's been a part of your life I love music right I just love it yeah I just love it (laughs) I just love it
1: I hear a song and I go I remember where I was when I first heard that sure You know, I, I just love music. I love the power of music. Yeah. I, I hear songs and I go, Well, I was, you know, I was driving cross-country with my sister when that song was popular. Wow. You know, it, it, so many songs do that for me. They, 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 they lock in a time and place in my life. Mm. I don't even have to like the song. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, 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 they have the power to do that. I... I, oh, I I guess I wanted to be a music major originally. I thought right. that's what I should be. And I don't know why. I don't remember why I did that. <laughs> I was musical. You know, when rock and roll came out, I was, try- I was trying to sell songs. That's why God, you make me remember this stuff. <laughs> we had a teacher strike in New York, and I remember taking my guitar and going around to the music uh, publishing businesses in New York. And there were, there were places that would actually see you. I mean, it wasn't like a... Such a brazen thing to do. There are places that you'd go in and say, we have, uh, we have appointments available on Tuesday from 3 to 5. We see new talent. So I would do that. And uh, I remember, man, I was so excited. S- someone finally said to me, we want to record your song. I was trying to sell songs, you know. And because of the teacher strike, I was able to, to, to see all these people. We want to record your song. Now, I didn't expect anybody to say that. <laughs> I never expected you know I just thought I'd be rejected and rejected and it was fun being rejected but just to be in that league you know to, to, to have people hear you and they said we want to do your song and I hadn't expected them to say that mm-hmm. and I th- said well if they want to do the song maybe it's really valuable more valuable f- than what they want to pay me for it so I said let me think about it so a couple of days went by and I called them I said, I said okay they said well we already picked something we needed. They needed something to fill up an album. It was a good lesson, you know. Oh, man. I thought it was. I thought it was like we love your song. You're the perfect song. We've been waiting for you to walk in the door for at least oh, you know like the last year. No, they wanted something to fill up an album. My song was good enough. Oh.
0: <laughs> lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> and it's
1: like that in, in It's the same thing in um, you know in show business in in, 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 uh, in Hollywood. You know they're not looking for the perfect actor. They don't have time. They want to cast this thing, and they have to shoot it in two days, and they want somebody, and, and that's you know, and that's how it is, you know. So when they really when they really want a, the perfect actor, they they pay more money. <laughs> they don't look, they just pay. They just said, you know, who can we get who's a higher level that we can pay. So, anyway, I don't know if I'm answering your questions, but it's actually <laughs> no, I'm, having fun, I'm having fun reminiscing. Um, no, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah, the, yeah, that was uh, so music. I guess I want to, you know, it was the the Beatles had come out, and, and there was the British Revo, Revo, the British uh, invasion in the country. And, uh, you probably don't remember that, but it was a, it was a very exciting time, and everybody had a rock and roll group or, or wanted to, wanted to be the Beatles or, or or the Rolling Stones or the Kings. Or, Dave Clark five was big at the the beginning of that and uh everybody wanted to do music do something musical and uh i got a guitar my sister had a guitar and i learned how to play and then i got my own guitar and uh yeah and it was exciting and i started to write songs i started to write songs and uh they were kind of silly and uh, sugary and uh didn't really know what i was doing but uh but it was exciting sure yeah. and, and, and and that's how I got into music so I did I did I did want to pursue music but I was too I was really too lazy I was really too I think I said yesterday uh, you know my piano teacher said you gotta I said I can't get a piano room to practice in so you gotta get here early so I, I would stay up all night in college oh wow you know on I don't want to say often but (laughs) several times several times a month i would stay up all night and one of those nights i thought you know i'm gonna go practice it's four in the morning i'm gonna get over to the music hall they open at five i'm gonna practice there's a line of people waiting to get in i thought my god i can't catch a break so so i i thought no what i I said yesterday was oh my god those people are really dedicated (laughs) i can't i can't compete with that Anyway,
0: and you said that uh, you wrote uh, you wrote parody songs in uh, in college or was that high school? Because that kind of plays into what you're doing now uh, at conventions. You're uh, you're with the, the Rat Pack and you. Used I to do wrote the...
1: parody songs in the shows that we did in high school. Okay. And in the senior that the senior show we did. Yeah, that that's when I really started to. Uh, Wow, man, you're jogging my (laughs) menu. I remember running into uh, my friend's mom. And she says, What's going on? So she saw I was upset. I said, I got to write this song. And I I don't know how to do it. She says, What do you need? I said, I need a place to sit down and write it. And she gave me her, her, she took me to her office, or one of her, an office that she had the keys to, which was in the neighborhood. Not the, uh, it was one neighborhood over from where I uh, grew up, and that's where all my friends were. So I was there, and uh, I had my pen and pencil with me, pen and paper with me, and I sat down and I wrote my first. I think it was my first real parody that that I really liked. <laughs> it was from Oklahoma, the musical Oklahoma. Sure. Uh, oh, what a beautiful morning! Uh-huh. And it was about it was about kids uh, having to go to the bathroom but they had to get a pass. And uh, it, you couldn't hold it in long enough to have a pass. And I'll tell you why I talk about that, because I was so honored. When I got out of high school, a few years later I went back, and they did a senior show, which was a compilation of old senior shows. It was like the best of. And that song was included in the senior show. Oh, that's great. And I, I felt, man, that was one of the nicest compliments I ever got, yeah. that they, they did my song. That's yeah. There's a point in the song. I, I felt a little bit, because I liked all the verses but there's a point in the song where the guys are going to the bathroom, you know, they're pretending to peep, and when they turn around, they're all wet because they really couldn't make it in time, you know? And you can't hear the last verse because everybody's laughing at the the vigil, but um, anyway. That's great. So you've
0: kind of, you've always done that, You've always been writing parody stuff and you've been dealing with music, so...
1: Only when I've had... I've never done it on my own. Okay. I I have to have, like, an outlet for it. Right. So... Which works for conventions,
0: because you... Yeah, totally.
1: Well, the way, the way this whole thing started here... See, I think after the senior show, uh, and I did those parodies, I don't think I did parodies anymore. Okay. Uh, I, I became an actor, serious actor. <laughs> I got in with the serious group. I remember a guy saying to me, you're doing a musical. <laughs> he said, we want you here. And I, I hooked up with him, actually, and that was, that was another college group that was... Uh, after the Swamp Fox had left, they kind of took over. Um, it was a serious. Was very, you didn't do musicals, man. You, you know, you did, you, did, you did serious stuff, uh, and you put your heart and soul into it. And, and, that, and that was good for me. Uh, no, I was an actor then, and, I, and uh, I was trying to act. And I gave up music. I gave up music and musicals. I should say, uh, I wasn't going to do musical comedies. Uh, and that's what. And the Magic Theater was a serious place to work. They did they did new plays by new by by avant-garde playwrights. Uh, when I got on Deep Space on, on, on well when, when Deep Space Nine happened I started doing uh, conventions and uh, I did a cruise to Alaska I've done three cruises convention type cruises with Star Trek fans and uh, they took us to Alaska first one was to Alaska mm. it was great it's the only cruise I would ever pay for myself it was I'd, Beautiful, it was gorgeous. <laughs> Didn't even like the food. You know, <laughs> food food was better on other cruises. But just to to to, to see that scenery was great sure, Yeah. And one of the last nights of the cruise, you're supposed to, there's a talent show. They, I don't. Know, I think they call it a talent show, but it's just you get up and do something. Every actor sure. has to do something. What, whatever you want to do. I think I, I heard uh, Will Wheaton. He read a, a a little poem or a story about being a geek, and I, uh, brought a tear to my eye. You <laughs> know, it was about it was about him being different. Oh. and and you know he, he made to feel bad by the other kids because he was geeky oh. it was beautiful and I had to come up with something so I came up with a song now, I don't know where it came from but I, it was the first song I ever did uh, All I want is my brother's bar. Can't can't we get rid of our Ferengi star? All I want is my brother's bar. Can't we get rid of our Ferengi star? Kill him off like Tasha Yar. Oh, wouldn't it be loverly? And and Armin loved that song. Maybe I started singing it in the chair, you know, because we used to sit next to each other getting made up. Maybe I started singing it in the chair. He thinks so, but I I don't remember. I did that. Then I did another cruise a few years later, and I came up with the uh, another song. <laughs> the the, the, uh, the guy who ran the cruise was uh, one of them was uh, uh, he's a Latino man, and uh, uh, the Viacom had taken over uh, Paramount. So I came up with this song. You know, there's a there's a famous song by uh, Paul. Uh, what's her name, Oh, oh God guitar guy. Mary Ford, I'll think of his name later, Uh, Mary Ford sings um, Vaya con Dios, so I came up with Vaya con Dios, (laughs) and uh, I did that on the cruise, and that went over well, and then we uh, got involved with the other Ferengi doing a show called the Ferengi Family Hour with uh, Chase, who was my wife, so a Ferengi by marriage. Uh, and and Aaron uh, who played Nog and uh, uh, Cecily Adams who played Moogie and Lolita Faggio who was the script coordinator who kind of helped us out with it 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 was her idea I think she put it all together and we wrote it and um, I had to come up with songs for that it was a Wizard of Oz party and we needed songs for the show too so I started doing that yeah. and uh, yeah and that's where it really started to get get going I think there are a lot of songs in that show well there's a, a number of songs in that show that added to the repertoire and now you
0: guys do a rat pack uh, well then years uh,
1: yeah we did we did uh, God we did uh, uh, the Ferengi family hour uh, in England we did it all must have done it 15 16 times. And we did it uh, eventually in London, and then we did it in Germany, and I, I threw in a couple of German songs. Uh, I was a German student, so uh, I got to write songs in German, which was a trip. <laughs> I, had, I had help, but because uh, German is kind of backwards, you speak it backwards, and you're not allowed to, you can't do it, you have to separate your verbs. You can't speak, you can't s- write German like English. It was very funny. It was a very funny experience, because I, I would say, I would say to, to, to the guy helping me, I'd say, well, I'd like to say this, but I can't say this. He says, well, you can't do that, that way. And I keep doing that. And I say, you know, I really want to say this, but I can't say No, you can't do that. And I'd really want to say this, but you, oh, no, that you can do. I said, really? Why? He said, you get leeway in a song. But, the, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and I just, kept, I just kept doing that. And... Uh, Where are we? So the Frankie family, I want to end it. And then uh, Creation Entertainment would just have me sing some of the songs I'd come up with at their events, Mm -hmm. especially in Las Vegas. So uh, then we came out with an album. And then it was only a couple of years ago, 2009, uh, August of 2009, Creation said, and and maybe Lolita had something to do with this, I don't know, they they wanted me to put a show together for uh, the five of us which I thought was a, it was a ridiculous pairing, you know, pairing up of people. It was uh, going to be myself and Vaughn and uh, Jeff Combs, who really is frightened of singing, uh, and Armin Shimmerman, who was also really frightened of singing, and Casey Biggs, who's the only one of us who can genuinely sing. He has a really beautiful voice. And I thought it was silly, but I took some of my songs and tried to um, adapt them for everybody, and then I... Thought of the Rat Pack, the original Rat Pack, and Sinatra and Dean Martin, and thought, "What can I steal from that?" And we came up with a show, and uh, it's it's been I think it's been a hit. Uh, we've done we started out in Vegas, and then we did uh, we did San Francisco, we did a show in Vancouver, Canada, which was fabulous. We went to Chicago, Illinois. We were in Parsippany, New Jersey. We were in Phoenix, Arizona. We went to Honolulu, Hawaii, where I've never wow. been. I've never yeah. been to Hawaii. Wow. It, was, it was fabulous. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd ever like Hawaii, but because I've heard so many good things about it. I thought it can't be that nice. But, <laughs> but it really was pretty nice. Yeah. It was really pretty nice. And we have, let's see, well, as I said, we just did Phoenix. We have um, Chattanooga. It's Chattanooga. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee coming up in Boston, Massachusetts. So, that's about nine or ten shows that we're going to be doing. That's great. And all then said. Vegas, year, right? and, Vegas and, Ve- and then Vegas again. We'll yeah. go back to the to original yeah. scene of the crime. Now, in Vegas, it's going to be done in the afternoon. I, they say they think more people will show up if it's in the afternoon, but it's really a nighttime show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if there's going to be kids in the audience. I mean, if, I think most of the stuff is pretty clean, but uh, but um, I don't know if it's a kid's show, really. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Yeah, we're looking
0: forward to seeing it. Oh, yeah. We'll
1: be in Vegas. So we'll it'll be in the afternoon, and we're supposed to, you know, we drink at night. We, we get served drinks. We get served two drinks per show. <laughs> and uh, we wear tuxedos, which are kind of evening wear. You know? So I don't know. I don't know if it'll be 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, late afternoon, something yeah, like yeah, that. So yeah. that'll be where we started, and uh, and now everybody has brought songs into it. Mm. Uh, Casey has brought his own songs, and uh, Jeff Combs does his own songs. Jeff Combs is really it's bizarre. <laughs> he can only sing his own songs. If I give him something to sing, he, he can't. He can't. He can't sing it. He's great on his own songs. You would never think he'd have any fear of singing. He sounds really good. You know, he's got a great rock voice. Uh, really nice. But when I say, "Could you sing this line here?" <laughs> so that's been the story of the of the of the, the, the those little parodies. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: great. Yeah. So I think what we want to do now is kind of talk about your time on Star Trek. Obviously, starting with. Uh, the next generation uh, in Captain's Holiday and it was your first Star Trek role my
1: first uh, Star Trek role was uh, third season next generation yeah uh, Captain's Holiday that's right yeah
0: and how did you did you just audition for that role did it just come up in the
1: the, oh did you hear me yesterday the list we're gonna pretend that we didn't (laughs) oh okay Uh, how did that come up I got a call from my agent she said uh, they want to see you for uh, next generation uh, Star Trek Next Generation to read for the role of a Ferengi I said what's a Ferengi and she said go pick up the material and it'll all become clear to you and in those days the material was you had to go pick it up nowadays it's all done by email um, which is in, in really nice <laughs> it makes it easier you had to drive all over town you'd have to drive from Glendale all the way out you know, to, wow. to Culver City and, sure. but, uh, uh, or sometimes your, your agent would have the material anyway I went down to Paramount got the material I didn't understand a thing and I asked my roommate who I knew was a science fiction fan. I asked him if he knew what a Ferengi was, and he did his impression of the original Ferengi. And uh, he started to talk with a slurred, slurred speech, and he grabbed my lines, and he started to read them. Uh, she took my money, human. And I, I thought it was a little uh, out there, and I thought, I thought if I did that, I'd look like a bad actor. So I called my brother, and I said... Uh, well, I said, hello, brother. <laughs> 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 uh, I guess. And, uh, I said, you know, uh, you have to know what a Ferengi is. Because my roommate, you know, he's just, I, I, I don't know if I could trust what he's doing. He's, he's kind of, it's, it's a little outlandish what he's doing. And my brother said, no, 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 they are outlandish creatures. They're very exaggerated. They represent pure profit motive in the 24th century. Do, do what he's saying, because it, I don't think you can do too much. You know, I know me and I know I could do too much so, <laughs> so I, uh, I went in I didn't want to embarrass myself I wanted, them, I wanted to, to do the audition I didn't know what a Ferengi was I didn't think I, I, didn't think I could get the job without knowing a Ferengi, what a Ferengi was but I, I also wanted, I found that when I did a decent audition that even if you're not right for that job they'll call you in for something else so I wanted them to call me in for some, something else and I said to them look I don't know what a Ferengi is but this is what my roommate and my brother say a Ferengi is and I read the lines. And When I was done, Chip Chalmers, the director, he sa- he, as I was leaving, he said, tell those two guys we might have jobs for them. <laughs> so that's when I knew I did well. And, uh, that's great. And uh, then they called me. They called me right away and, and, and arranged, uh, told me I got the job. And then they arranged a, a wardrobe fitting and a teeth fitting, and the makeup fitting with Michael Westmore and all that. That's and,
0: great. Uh, and then that translated into you, you uh, doing the perfect mate.
1: It was great because... Uh, they, they didn't. I didn't have to audition for it. They just remembered me from uh, uh, Captain's Holiday. And in the fifth season, I, read, uh, no, I uh, was one of two Ferengi. Par Lenore was my name. Was in The the other Ferengi from uh, Captain Holiday was called Sovak, S-O-V-A-K. And this was Par Lenore. That's
0: right, because you were trying to get uh, Famke Jansen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, we, okay that's
1: right. uh, we wanted that chrysalis or whatever, right. uh, with an egg <laughs> in and uh, the, the significant thing about that for me was, uh, it was kind of easy. It, we, we had short, uh, it wasn't much of a Ferengi episode. The, episode, the uh, Ferengi had easy hours. Uh, but um, Michael Westmore came over to me and he said, you know, they're going to do a, another spin-off of Star Trek. That's awful, so. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, we're, we're uh, listening to the pirate
0: band outside. so. Yeah, I guess so yeah. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like cannon fire.
1: It did, yeah. Uh, Michael Westmore said to me they're going to do a spin-off, uh, another spin-off of Star Trek, and they're going to have a Ferengi as a series regular. Mm. And he said, tell your agent to look out for that. So I told my agent, and... Uh, It's a few months later in the summertime, I think there were auditions for it. And I went in to read for Quark. Right. This was Deep Space Nine now. And uh, it was very crowded there. And it was my turn to go in. And I went in. And, uh, you know, I I thought I kind of sucked. And I didn't (laughs) like what I did. And I went out. And I never expected to hear from them again. And and I didn't. But then, because usually in TV, it's pretty fast. And if you don't hear in a few days, it's over. But uh, three weeks later, I got another call, and they wanted to see me again. When I went back there, there was there were very few people there, you know, and there was a lot of tension. So you knew there were like <laughs> these were like their final choices. And I went in there. I I I, I swore I would do a better job, but I, I I sucked kind of pretty much just as much as I did the first time. <laughs> I was just flummoxed. I, I was I, I was bamboozled. I thought, how could I do so badly again? But I went out, and uh, I sat on the steps of. Uh, the Gower steps leading up to the door to Paramount and uh, a few minutes later Armand Shimmerman came out and he saw me there and he said what's up <laughs> and I didn't know him but I knew he was an actor I could kind of tell and I said I just read for this series the Star Trek series and I just blew it he says I know I saw you in there <laughs> he says but uh, he said I thought I did pretty poorly too but here's the good news it's between you and me for the role and I thought, man, he, how does he know that? He must have it in. He must know the producer. He must know the casting director. He's going to get the job because he knows somebody. I said, how do you happen to know that it's between you and me for the role? He said, well, we were the only two short people there. <laughs> and I always say that was my introduction to the That's wisdom great. of Armand Shimmerman. So. That's great. So, And we talked about the Ferengi. We talked about 40 minutes, I think. And then I walked him to his car. and uh, I think we became friends then. Uh... uh and then he got the job, and in the uh, the very first sh- uh, time you see the bar, I got one day playing the, what they call the pit boss. Okay. I got paid a lot of money for that, for that one day. I thought, okay, you know, it's a consolation prize. I, I, it's fine. I didn't expect to get anything, because sure. I thought I did so badly. They want me to be the pit boss. And I'm in, the camera kind of pans across the bar and across my face rather quickly. But okay, I did that, and then uh, the very next episode, I had a... They, they wanted me to do it. I think it was called "The Man Alone." It's a Odo episode, and uh, I had a name wrong, and that was my first epi- my first real—that's uh, fantastic. My first real uh, weekly contract. And, so, and
0: who knew you would end up the Grand Nagus?
1: Who knew? Yeah. And I'd get Lita, and That's I'd right. stand up to my brother, and yeah, uh, yeah form a union and all that. Yeah. We've yeah.
0: talked to both uh, Aaron Eisenberg and uh, Chase, and and in both the interviews, uh, we kind of brought around the fact that that, that family unit kind of added a, uh, a familial touch to Deep Space Nine. Everything else was kind of harsh. Not that there wasn't, you know, Jake Sisko and, and the Captain. There was
1: Jake and the Captain right. and Cassidy Yates. Right. We're sort of a family.
0: But it seemed like... because And all, Nine, O'Brien. Right. And,
1: and uh, God, uh, O'Brien and, and Keiko and uh, well, Molly. Right. There was, there was, there, was fam- there was family around, I think.
0: I think since it was such a hard-edged show, that added to it. That kind of kind of kind of brought it back down to earth. Sure. You know, it was it was something special for us because I mean, not that we didn't love that about Deep Space Nine, but it was great seeing those little touches, yeah. the little like lighter portions of the show.
1: I think they, uh, I think the writers were really smart in uh, having over forty recurring characters to right. to make the station feel like there was a lo- life there. You know, yeah. and, uh, I thought that was really uh, smart on their part. And so.
0: one of our favorite series. Deep Space Nine, for yeah. us, is, is one of our favorite. I actually started off being a, a Next Generation fan. Deep Space Nine came along. It's, it's totally our favorite. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Wow.
1: I like Next Gen because it was my sure. first. You know, it was, it was the first. I didn't watch the original series when it came on. And uh, when I got the job on, the, on the, that first Next Generation job, I started to watch the show. Mm. I found out when it was on and I watched it. And I really started to... Uh, I didn't know what Star Trek was. I didn't know what it was. You know, that that there were, that it was a way to, see, well, what I got out of that, the first time I watched it, I thought, well, that's a way to reflect what's going on now. Right. Yeah. You know, in the future. Right. So I thought it was wonderful.
0: So your first experience with Star Trek was being on Star Trek. I I, I watched an episode first. (laughs) I did,
1: I did, and I watched some Ferengi episodes because I was a Ferengi. I wasn't. I was watching that more for the Ferengi though. But it was an episode called "The Hunted," Mm -hmm. that happened in January 1990. It was right when that's when it aired, and it was right before I got right right before I was going to work on it. Mm. And I thought, wow. I remember thinking, wow. I remember the moment Picard walks away. He's supposed to get these two factions to uh, talk to each other. Mm. And because uh, the one fe- the, the, the planet is trying to join the Federation, but Picard sees they're not ready. And, and uh, I think he was trying to get them to talk to each other, and then he realizes it's not, that's not his job. And the leaders are saying, you've got to help us. He says, no, no, you have to. No, I've done my job. It's up to you now. So I, I thought that was because I'm somebody who, yeah. wa- who wants to help. And, to, you know, I don't sure. know when to say, you know, I've done enough here. Right. Yeah, can't, I, I'm kind of powerless to do anymore. <laughs> you know I want to stick my nose in and tell you what to do, right. but they have to work it out for themselves. Sure so,
0: yeah. and that, that actually, it really
1: got to me it re- that episode really got to me because I, I saw myself, you know right: oh,
0: yeah. and that's what's cool about Star Trek.: Yeah I mean it is. A, it is a mirror of society yeah, yeah, um, yeah. told through a science fiction facade. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. And that actually kind of leads into our last question, and you may have just answered that, um, and again, thanks for joining us. Well, we, fantastic. Well, well, you
1: know, you brought back so many memories for me. Wow. <laughs> really. That's wow. cool. I haven't, I haven't thought about writing that, 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 that um, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning song and running into my friend's mom. I haven't thought about that in, in years. That's
0: great. That's fantastic.
1: In years. <laughs> anyway, well, so our, yeah. our
0: last question uh, that we ask everyone is, what, what's your favorite episode of Star Trek? Would it be The Hunted that you were just talking about or... Would it be a different one. It could be any could any be genre, heroine. any not any genre, but any series. So, do you have a favorite?
1: You're not talking about Deep Space Nine. It could it be, could
0: Deep,
2: be Space Deep Space Nine. Nine, whichever.
0: And it could be for personal reasons or from watching the watching the episode. Or, or you were pleased with your performance. Or? Yeah. The most
1: brilliant episode of Deep Space Nine, I think, which is pro- what I say is my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine, is Trials and Tribulations.
0: That's a great episode. I,
1: I just think that is so. Uh, Jonathan uh, West, our uh, director of photography, did that. He directed that episode. I, and maybe you have to be a director of photography to see how everything's going to fit together. <laughs> um, I just thought that was so brilliantly, seamless, seamlessly woven together yeah, it was. with the old with the old crew and the. And, and, and the DS9 guys, I, I just thought that was wonderful. That's a so, great episode. Um, I like Far Beyond the Stars. Sure. I, I think that's a wonderful story. I, you know, I know Deep Space Nine the best, so it's easy for me to rattle off uh, things. I know what I'm supposed to say for Next Generation. <laughs> what do I like on Next Generation? What, what is the one where he lives a lifetime in the... the Inner Light. Light. In yeah. Inner Light, yeah. yeah. I'm supposed to say that's, that's a great episode. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, I think I do like that one, yeah. but I I can't think of the other next gen episodes that I really like. Oh God, the one where Data's kind of on trial.
0: Measure of a man.
1: Me- measure of a man. What season was that?
0: Uh, season two. What What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that was Vaughn just saying heart 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 of glory. But, uh,
1: <laughs> he's giving me hints. <laughs> Uh, no, no. Measure of a man, I think, is brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that
0: was
2: a
1: good one. I'm gonna go with that one as my favorite. TNG. Okay. Oh, I, I can't remember them all. That's I, uh, Great. Uh, but what? You have a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and and for a Ferengi episode, I'll just throw in. Uh, I really like Little Green Men. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I, I didn't great. like doing it no i didn 't like doing it um I, and i can 't get into the reasons why, but i just <laughs> didn't think it was going i didn't think it was going to work right yeah. and uh and i, I you know i it, I think it worked you know when we did we had a f- final lunch with everybody uh, it was like the last episode, and we were all invited to be out of makeup in the bar uh Aaron and myself, and I forget people who wore heavy makeup were invited to be uh when when James Darren sings uh and the way you look tonight, I right. think uh, oh. we 're invited to be part of the, the be patrons in the bar in our real faces, oh, wow. and i don 't know if you can see much of us, uh, but the producers are there too, the writers and uh, There was a lunch break and, and during the lunch break, we went into, we went to an empty sound stage, and they, they put out tables for lunch and there were monitors all over the place, and they started showing the show the series mm-hmm. different things, highlights, if you will of the show and people were reading people were reading, people were reading. Um, Ira Baer made a, a very nice speech of how he thought we we made a real contribution to the Star Trek universe. And, uh, it was, was beautiful. It uh, was beautiful what he said. But nobody was watching the monitors. And at one point, Little Green Men came on. The part where Armin is doing this with his nose, and he feels he can take advantage of these uh, the, the, the American soldiers. or uh, the, the Americans, he thinks they're, they're really stupid. And uh, he's going to get the best of them. And as it played you'd hear a little bit of laughter and people started to see people stopped eating to look up yeah, that's at great. The, that's awesome. they didn't stop I didn't see them stop for anything else but Little Green Men came on and they started to watch it you know and it was that's
2: gotta it was a real
1: nice it was a real nice tribute it really was I, I, I do like I do like the way that episode looks that's great. I would have done it I would have done it differently and I probably that's probably why they didn't let me Direct it, but uh, and it's probably they're smart not to have done that. But I would, I wanted to see it differently. But you know, when I watch it, I really, really do like it, yeah. and I think yeah. I think it was done the right way. Yeah. So it's
0: fantastic. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been fantastic meeting yeah. you this week. Wow, this Weekend. has been a, this has been a half hour.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I should have used my Barry White voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you
0: have um,
2: what are your upcoming conventions and things that we have you know, Vegas where people
1: up. can find you? We have Vegas coming well, I did a CSI episode with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, I have a little scene with Lawrence Fishburne. And I think that should be airing soon. I, oh, hope cool. if, it, if it's airing. I hope. I hope. Sometimes they cut things. So, well, we have a, the Rat Pack. We'll do Boston in the middle of July. We'll do... I should know the dates. I don't. We'll do Ch- uh, Nashville at the end of July. And then two weeks later, we go to Vegas to do our Rat Pack there, which is... Yeah. yeah, which is the second weekend in August I think. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. thanks again. Thank wow. You so much. Wow.
1: <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was good. Thanks a
0: lot. So that was episode 11 of life after Trek. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Max was a super cool guy, just like Vaughn. He stepped away from his table, spent some quality time with us discussing his time on star Trek, which is like I said before, which is rare. It's super cool that they, they thought enough of us to walk away and just kind of sit down and get like an intimate discussion going. And of course, Max fantastic guy, super fascinating. So was Vaughn. uh, And we had a blast hanging out with them in BayouCon. Uh, 2011. If you haven't been to our site before, that's subspacecommunicate.com. Uh, our tagline tagline is Trek culture serve daily. We try to put out something pretty much uh, once a day. We miss a few throughout the month, but you know, we got to take a break every once in a while. You guys can check that out. You can also check us out on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash subspace comms and Facebook, facebook.com slash subspace comms. Uh, but you can subscribe via iTunes to make sure that you get that episode the moment it's released. We'd like to give a huge shout-out to Paul mc 7 or PaulMc7, however you uh, pronounce that, for giving us a five-star review on iTunes. That's super nice. We really appreciate mm-hmm. it. If you guys are on iTunes, you can give us reviews as well. We'd appreciate the five stars, but, you know, we'll take what we can get. Uh, even <laughs> Feel if, free to be honest. Yeah, even if you think we suck, we'll take that. So one-star reviews are just as welcome as five-star. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. I take that back. Uh, But uh, again, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, We had a blast recording with Max. And until next time, live long and prosper.